All right. Well, I want to welcome all of our campuses to the fourth and final week of our series entitled Imperfect. I want to welcome all the men and women each week at the St. Tammany Parish Jail, the Orleans Justice Center, and all of our campuses that are joining us live right now. Come on, let's just welcome them. So excited to have you guys with us. Yes. We are in part four of a series, short series. Matter of fact, I thought about it uh, as I was beginning this series and really studying and putting it together. Uh, I probably could have gone, I don't know, eight or ten weeks because there's so much in the life of this individual that we're studying. We've been looking at David. The Bible calls David a man after God's own heart. And how God used David to do extraordinary things. By the way, not because of David, but in spite of David. In other words, God doesn't use our lives because we're so great. God uses our lives because he's so great. How many of y'all believe that? Come on, y'all believe that or not? That God is a great God. And God wants, listen, God's not looking for our ability. He's looking for our availability. How God can move through our lives. How God can take the broken pieces of our lives and put our lives back together so that he gets the glory. David's life is a portrait of a man who was broken that God put back together and did great things through. Today I want to talk to you about the power of friendship, the power of a godly friend. You know, it's interesting when I think about some of the classic friendships uh, that we would consider. For instance, you think of Batman and Robin, that's one. Calvin and Hobbes. How about Tom Sawyer and Huckleberry Finn? How about Charlie Brown and Snoopy? Come on, y'all. How about this one? How about Lone Ranger and Tonto? Isn't that right? But the most famous relationship of all of history, of all of the Greek and Roman classics, all the way down to South Louisiana is Boudreaux and Thibodeau. Come on, how many of y'all know what I'm talking about? The most famous relationship of all time. Okay, I'm playing. I want to talk to you today about a biblical concept. The concept about biblical friendship. I'm going to talk to you today about David and Jonathan. You know, I've looked at four different relationships that David had and how different people impacted David's life. Week one, we looked at how David's life, Jesse, how David's life, Jesse and his brothers, the father of David and the brothers of David rejected David. And really, it was through that rejection that God healed him and restored him and raised him up. Week two, I looked at another individual in David's life that God used to shape his life. By the way, God doesn't always use just the greatest people to shape your life. Let me say that away. Say it again. God doesn't use all the greatest people in the world to shape. God uses anybody that he puts around your life. For instance, there was a Goliath that God used to shape David's life because God wanted David to understand the power of how to overcome obstacles. Last week, we talked about another individual that God used to shape David's life, and that was King Saul. I talked last week, and I want to encourage you to all of our campuses, if you weren't here, I talked about how do we deal with insecurity in us, and how do we get along with those around us that are insecure? Maybe somebody who's a spouse. Maybe it's a, a, a boss. Maybe it's somebody in your neighborhood. Somebody around you that's close to you. It's like you see them all the time. And by the way, I want to say this. All of us deal with a measure of insecurity. It's different than dealing with a spirit where you're tormented by insecurity. Saul was tormented by insecurity, and David's life was greatly impacted by that. Today, I want to talk to you about another individual that God used to shape David's life. In other words, God brought this individual into his life to largely make who he was. 
and that was Jonathan. If you have your Bible, I'm going to ask you to open up to 1 Samuel chapter 18. 1 Samuel chapter 18. I want to talk to you about the power of a God friendship. You know, it's interesting. I'm grateful over the years uh, for the different relationships that God's brought into my life. I think of Pastor Doug Arm, and I've mentioned him many times. I, I became a Christian uh, when I turned 19 as a freshman in college at Tulane University, and and I was in a group, a Bible study uh, with a group of young people, a bunch of college kids, and, and our Bible study leader kind of flaked out. And, and my friend and I, Vince, we went to Pastor Doug, who wasn't a pastor at the time. He was a, a business guy. He's five years older than me, and he had just kind of started out in life. And we said, we heard he had a Bible study. We said, man, we'd love to get into your Bible study. We'd love for you to be our Bible study leader. And that really began a friendship 30 years ago, 31 years ago. And over the years, and, and, and by the way, biblical friendships are not friendships where there's never any challenges that you walk through. I, I can think back in my life of the different men that God's allowed me the privilege of walking with, some great men such as Doug and such as different people in my life, where, where, where listen, friendship is, is, is something that you need. By the way, how many know you need friends when times are good and when times are bad? It's not just when things are all great. Oh, man, you're awesome. It's awesome. And no, no, no. How many know you need friends when things are not going well? Not when they're awesome, but when you're in the valley, not just on the top. And I'm grateful for the power of God relationship. Question, is there anybody in your life that you could call right now that has a God perspective that loves you, that cares about you, that will encourage you, but also admonish you? I want to ask you that. I'm so glad that you guys came today. There is a principle in Scripture. By the way, I believe it's a, it is an art, a lost art in our culture, how to cultivate friendship, how to cultivate godly friendship. It's interesting. God knew David needed a true friend to walk with him through the dark seasons of his life. Not, not just when he was anointed king, not just when he was defeating all the giants, but, but when he was hiding out in a cave. When he was hiding out for 10 years, 10 years running from Saul. It's interesting when you begin to think about how God brought this relationship into David's life, Jonathan. I read a recent study about friendship. A true friend is someone that we can share important things in our lives with. A British publication once offered a prize for the best definition of a friend. I thought it would just be appropriate for me to read a, a few of the definitions of friendship. These came in to this British publication. Here's a friend, somebody's opinion. A friend, this is good, one who multiplies joys, divides grief, and whose honesty is inviolable. Isn't that powerful? A friend. Well, a friend is one who understands our silence. You know, sometimes it's encouraging to high-five your friend, and man, they hit a home run, it's awesome, but, but a friend is also someone that comes and puts their arm around you in times of grief. Doesn't distance themselves from you, but encourages you, listens, waits with you. I, I like this definition. I, I, I would consider this the winning definition, all right? A friend is one who runs in when the whole world has run out. Boy, isn't that good? Let me read that again. A friend is one who runs in when the whole world runs out. By that definition, probably most of us have many acquaintances in our lives. All of us. You see, there's, there's a difference of having an acquaintance, somebody that you're friendly with, 
versus a God, and I'm going to introduce a word because the Bible introduces it, a covenant relationship. Not all friendships are covenant. Covenant relationships are different. A covenant relationship is when there's an exchange where, in other words, I want everybody to see this at all of our campuses. When you have a God-divine covenant relationship, it means that somehow your destiny is linked with this individual. In other words, God brings them into your life because they have something that you need and you have something that they need. A covenant relationship. It's interesting, I was reading again in our just recent studies this week as I was putting together this, this talk on friendship and it was interesting in a sociological journal, the Sociological Association found that in America, specifically in America, their circle of close confidence has shrunk dramatically in the last two decades. A number of people would say now that no one, listen, that they have no one to whom discuss important matters with. Listen, it's actually doubled over the last 10 years. Here's what's interesting. As the techno technological explosion has gone this way, the level of intimacy in relationships have gone this way. In other words, you got a Facebook, man, I got 10,000 friends. Really? Come on. I mean, really? Is there anybody, here's my question, I want to say it again. Is there anybody that you could call on the phone when you're hurting, that'll love you, that'll pray with you, that'll give you God's perspective, that'll put an arm around you that you could say is a true biblical friend. Thank God. Thank God for Jonathan. Thank God. God knew. God knew that David, a man after God's own heart, who was anointed of God, God knew that he would need a friend like Jonathan. I had a friend tell me one time, or actually a person in our church, and said, you know, Pastor Steve, this church is so big, and man, I wish that I could meet somebody at church. And I say this very respectfully. There is a key to developing friendship that we're going to see how Jonathan understood the art of friendship. And I told this individual, I said, well, let me ask you a question. Are you waiting for someone to befriend you, or are you befriending them? See, one of the keys to friendship, Proverbs says it this way. It says that a man who has friends must himself be what? Come on, say it. In other words, if we're just sitting around like Humpty Dumpty, well, nobody likes me and nobody wants to be my friend. And man, after all, or are we initiating? See, there's a risk when you initiate. It takes courage to initiate. It's risky emotionally because, man, what if I, pastor, you don't understand something, man. What if I go to a small group and I open up my heart and I go to one of those freedom groups with people and they don't, they don't reciprocate and, and, and I'm not sure. Matter of fact, I'm just going to wait here and I'm going to hang out. I'm going to wait for somebody to come to me. The problem is that's not biblical. Biblically speaking, we take the first move. Biblically speaking, we initiate. Now, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to look in three different episodes. This is so interesting. And the friendship of Jonathan and David. I'm going to start in 1 Samuel chapter 18. I'm going to finish in 1 Samuel chapter 23. It's going to cover a period of time. It actually covers almost a 10-year period of time. When David was running, listen, when David was running from Jonathan's dad, Saul. Remember, the first king of Israel was Saul. The second king of Israel was David. The first king of Israel was Saul. Saul's son was Jonathan. I want to talk to you about three different episodes and the friendship between these two guys. And then I'm going to give you some characteristics of how we can listen. What I can say is how we can grow in the art of friendship, all right? First Samuel chapter 18, I want to talk to you about this developing friendship between David and Jonathan. Look what the Bible says. First Samuel 18 verse 1 to 4. 
Now, when he had finished speaking to Saul, the soul of Jonathan was knit to the soul of David. And Jonathan loved him as his own soul. Look at verse 2. Saul took him that day and would not let him go home to his father's house anymore. Verse 3. Then Jonathan and David made a covenant. Everybody say covenant. Now, I want to say this again. I'll say this respectfully. Covenant is a biblical term. There are friendships that we may have that are acquaintances and we may hang out. Here's what I would consider. A friendship that is interest-based is nice. But what happens when our interests no longer are congruent? Well, we bowl together. Well, we hunt together. Well, we're in the garden club together. What happens if you move into a condo that doesn't have a garden? Come on, are y'all with me or not? Interest-based friendships may be where it begins, but God-covenant relationships is not where it ends. In other words, when it's a covenant friendship, you recognize that God brought this person in your life. They may move to another city, but you stay connected. Why? Because watch this. This relationship is not just to be a temporal thing, but God brought them in your life to help you to become that woman, to help you to become that man that God created you to be. Jonathan and David was this relationship. Then Jonathan and David made a covenant because he loved him as his own soul. Look at verse 4. And Jonathan took off the robe that was on him and gave it to David with his armor and even his sword and his bow and his belt. I wrote this down. There was an immediate bond between them, Jonathan and David. They became the best of friends. It's interesting to see how Jonathan sought out David in order to enter into a true friendship. Remember this. David... David was the last born, the last born of Jesse, and he was a shepherd. Jonathan was the firstborn of Saul, and he was heir to the throne. Now, I want you to think about this for a moment. Saul, the first king of Israel, his oldest son, Jonathan, was the heir. He was the heir apparent to the throne of Israel. David over here, listen, he was the last born and he was a little shepherd boy. But Jonathan saw something in David's life. He saw something. Do you see something in anybody's life around you? Is there the touch of God on somebody's life around you? They say, you know what? There's something about that lady. There's something about that man. I, I, I recognize that I need them in my life because I, I, I sense that, 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 that I can be a blessing to them, but they can be a blessing to me. Jonathan took a risk and initiated. Everyone say initiate. He took the step. I can think back in the times of my friendships and relationships where there's that moment where it's a little bit risky, where you got to open up your heart. You got to open up your life, and man, it's a little bit scary because you think, man, I, I, I don't know. You know what, what? What if? What if there's not the reciprocation there? See, if we're waiting, if we're waiting for somebody else to take the step, we're going to be waiting a long time. Jonathan saw something in David's life, and he wasn't afraid to take a risk. Okay, First Samuel chapter 18. I'm going to come back to this. Let me quickly give you another one. First Samuel, First Samuel 20. And then I'm going to do 1 Samuel 23. Three different biblical episodes, and I'm going to extract a characteristic from each. Look at the second one, 1 Samuel chapter 20. We see another episode of their developing friendship. Jonathan intercedes in 1 Samuel chapter 20 at great risk to his own life on behalf of David. This chapter opens with David running for his life from Saul, Jonathan's dad. David catches up to Jonathan and asks him a pointed question. Look at 1 Samuel chapter 20. Now remember, God's hand is coming upon David's life. The anointing of the Holy Spirit is coming upon David's life. 
Saul, as we spoke about last week, recognizes that God has anointed this young man. Saul's getting insecure. And Jonathan realizes that his dad is being tormented by this young man. So watch what happens. 1 Samuel chapter 20, verse 1. What have I done, David said? What is my sin? What is my iniquity? What is my sin before your father that he seeks to kill my life? So they develop this plan. And the plan is developed where Jonathan says, listen, I'm going to go into a room before you. I'm going to go into the castle before you. And I'm going to see if my dad's there. I'm going to see if he's in a good mood. I'm going to see if he's in a bad mood. I'm going to see if, like, listen, I'm going to see if he's just woken up from a Sunday nap and he's looking for a fight or if he's pleasant. Here's the point. The point is I'm going to covenant relationship with you, Jonathan, and I'm going to help to protect your life. Jonathan, I'm going to covenant relationship with you, David. I'm going to make sure, listen, I'm going to make sure that my dad, that my dad doesn't turn. In other words, I'm going to stand in the gap for you. Wow. He devises a plan to protect his friend. Interestingly enough, One day when Saul throws a spear at David and misses, and he finds out that Jonathan is interceding on his behalf, I'm talking about friendship, the very same sword and very same spear that is aimed at his enemy, David, is now turned against his son, Jonathan. When you have a God relationship, sometimes we have to stand at the gap to our own own hurt. Sometimes it's costly. Are we willing to risk something for a friendship. Are we friends only when it's convenient? Or are we willing to step out there even when it may cost us dearly? Let me give you the third episode. 1 Samuel 18, Jonathan initiates. 1 Samuel chapter 20, Jonathan protects. Look at 1 Samuel chapter 23, Jonathan encourages. 1 Samuel chapter 23, verse 17 and 18. And he said to him, this is the third and final episode that I'm going to build out three points that we can take home and learn this art. Look at verse 17 and 18. And he said to him, here it is, David is, he's tired, he's weary, he's stressed, he's out in the wilderness, he doesn't understand why this guy's dad is for 10 years. 10 years. You know, a trial is a, is a big deal. But if it's a week, it's okay. How about a month? How about 10 years? Chapter 23, verse 17, and he said to him, do not fear, for the hand of Saul, my father, shall not find you, and you shall be king over Israel, and I shall be the next to you. And even my father Saul knows that. So the two of them made a covenant again before the Lord. And David stayed in the woods, and Jonathan went to his house. I wrote this down. Jonathan has the position and the place to make or break his relationship. He is the one who initiates the vow of friendship. Number two, he is the one who risked his life to protect his friend. Number three, he is the one who encourages David in faith. He is the one. He is the one that cut covenant with his friend. You know, it's interesting, I was thinking about, as I was putting this message together, to different people in my life, and I, I was thinking about this. I was thinking, man, I'm so grateful that I have some friends like that in my life. But I also understood there was a cost. And I want to say this to all of you that are joining us live and online, and all the different campuses. It's going to cost you. If you want this, it's going to cost you. I heard a great friend of mine say this one time. He says, you attract not what you want, but you attract what you are. 
In other words, if you are this, then you will attract this. You can want this, but if you're unwilling to become this, then the very thing that you want will never come your way. Does that make sense? We don't attract what we want. We attract who we are. I want to talk to you about three characteristics before we close because I know this in my life, man. I go through some seasons. I go through some dark times like we all do where, where, where I'm so grateful. I'm so grateful that there's some men in my life, not just for a year, not just two, but decades. Some people that love me enough to call me out. Some people that love me enough to encourage me, to stand with me, to rejoice with me, to give me the high fives but also to put their arm around me and say, man, Steve, listen, God's with you. I'm with you. We're going to make it through this. Let me give you some characteristics from these episodes. Number one, if you want to be a true friend and if you want somebody to be this in your life, then you're going to have to be willing to be selfless in that relationship. Let me explain. Look at 1 Samuel chapter 18, verse 4. The Bible says, And Jonathan took off the robe that was on him and gave it to David with his armor even his sword and his bow and his belt. Here it is, Jonathan, in deep humility and selflessness, begins the relationship. Jonathan was the next, listen, the next in line to be king. He was the one that had the position of royalty, not David. And when he cut covenant, he says, listen to me. This relationship, key to relationship. It's not going to be a one-way relationship. In other words, I'm not going to be a taker from you, David. I'm going to be a giver to you. In other words, I'm going to take off my robe. That speaks of royalty. And I'm going to give you my robe. In other words, I see something on your life, David. And I'm going to take of me and I'm going to put it on you. But I'm not going to stop right there. I'm not going to just stop with the robe. I'm going to take, matter of fact, I'm going to take my armor. That speaks of his military leadership. I'm talking about Jonathan. Remember, he had the position, but he saw he saw a supernatural power on David's life. Is there anybody in your life that you're willing to commit to at this level? Is there anybody in your life that is committed to you at this level? He said, listen, I'm not only going to take my robe off, but I'm going to take my armor off and, and, and my bow and my sword. In other words, I'm going to be a giver in this relationship. Man, I tell you, there's so many relationships where somebody's just a taker, but not a giver. One of my mentors, by the way, who'll be speaking here in January, John Maxwell, very excited. Uh, years and years ago, he spoke here. Last week of January, he's going to speak here in our series, which I'm so excited about. I'll never forget when he told me this. He said, Steve, just remember this. The, see, the, the, the secret to developing great friendship and relationships is being a value adder, not a value subtractor. In other words, seek to add value to every person that comes into your life. In other words, you have to ask yourself this question. When this person comes into my life, have they, listen, have they left with greater value than when they met you? I want to seek to add value to people. I don't want to be an extractor. I want to be a giver. I'll never forget when I, the first couple months of Church of the King, there was a a great friend of mine who wasn't a friend at that time, Pastor Dino Rizzo in Baton Rouge. And he had connected me with, another, there was another friend of mine that connected us and I, and I went up to go see him and I was so excited to see him. He had a great church and church was six, seven years old and we were just starting out Church of the King and man, I was so excited and, and I went up there and boy, he just poured into me for about an hour or two and, 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 and before, before, before I left, he said, hey, I've got something for you. Now remember, Church of the King's just starting out 
We got, I don't know, 30 or 40 people. We had, we had not moved into to even Harry Lemons. We were meeting on a Saturday night in a Presbyterian church, a handful of people. And I don't forget, he handed me an envelope and, and he said, hey, before you go, man, I just want to let you know, I believe in you and what God's called you to do. Man, I got my car and I was just, I just, I couldn't believe it. I was just, I was so inspired and I was just so excited. And I opened up this envelope and it was a thousand dollar check made out, of church, made out of Church of the King. I mean, it could have been a million dollars. How I many you know when your offering's a thousand a week, a thousand's a lot of money? Come on. And listen to me, listen to me. And there was a note and he says, I believe in you and what God's called you to do. Wow. That began a friendship and a relationship. And I recognize that, that I don't, watch this, I don't want to just be a receiver, but I want to be that to people in my life. In other words, I want to make sure that anybody that comes into my life that I feel is a God connection, listen, I want to make sure, and I want to make a decision, how can I add value to them? Maybe it's through a text, it's through an encouragement, it's, it's through a book, it's through a gift, but, 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 but I want to, listen, maybe I can't give a, a, obviously a kingly robe or, 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 or my armory or, or, or a weapon or a sword, but can I give my time and my energy and my talent and my encouragement to them? We, 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 we want those friends in our lives. We, we want people to be that to us. Remember this, you don't attract what you want, you attract who you are. Or you are that. Or are you? I know it's not good English. My mom's here. She's going to correct me afterwards. But anyway, but I want to be that. We want to be a person that adds value. Number one is selfless. Number two, the second thing that I see in Jonathan's life is, is he was committed. He was committed. That's a tough word in our culture today. There's lots of reasons why that is. But uh, there, there was a commitment level in Jonathan's life that that blew David out the water. David understood the, the, transitory the, the transitory nature of how people come in and people go, but this one was different. Jonathan was somebody that was committed. He, 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 he was somebody that demonstrated something that, that, that went far above and beyond the call of, of the duty of what friendship usually is defined by. Wow, friendship. I wrote this down when David came to Jonathan with the news in chapter 20 that Jonathan's dad was out to get him. Jonathan responded to David, and here's what he said. Whatever you want me to do, I'll do it for you. That's friends. That's the voice of commitment. That's a covenant friendship. In other words, what are you and I willing to risk for for a particular individual? What, what, what are we willing to lay down and say, you know what, whatever I've got, I want to give. In other words, what, what are you willing to do in order to demonstrate covenant connection and commitment? I'm not talking about just a casual friendship here. What is a covenant relationship is when you perceive that their destiny and your destiny, there's, a, there's an alignment there, that there's a connection there. Whether they move or not, there's something about that friendship. It goes beyond mere acquaintance. It's not just interest-based, but it goes way. It's, it's, it started interest-based, but it's now destiny-based. Man, that was powerful. There's a destiny connection. There's something of destiny doesn't mean you have to work together, but there's something of, it's a lifelong prayer partner. It's somebody that, that, that loves you enough to encourage you, to stand with you, to be alongside of you. Wow. What are we willing to risk for our friends? Maybe it's a little bit of our time. Maybe it's our comfort. Maybe it's our security. 
I don't think Jonathan would have helped David hide a drug habit either. I don't believe that Jonathan would allow David to struggle with suicidal thoughts without getting in his life and doing something either. A good friend is not just somebody that encourages you, but somebody that's willing to go there if they need to. Because they see your life taking a slide and they see your life going down to the ditch. Are y'all with me? A good friend is not somebody that just holds you accountable for good habits, but it's also that holds you accountable because they see self-harm in your life. A good friend is somebody that, that, that you may be hanging out with, but, that, but you see something in their life where it's going too far. There are habits that you guys maybe do some things together, but they've gone too far. It's, it's, it's injurious to their family, to their future, to their faith. There's something inside of you that says, wait a minute, time out. You're going too far in this thing. Proverbs 20, verse 6 says, Most men will proclaim each his own goodness, but who can find a faithful man? Who can find somebody that'll love you enough to tell you the truth? Man, we don't want that in our culture today, huh? Man, we don't want anybody messing with us. We don't want anybody telling us anything because we are who we are, because we've individuated. We've become, right? we become individuals and we're mature based upon chronology. How many know maturity has nothing to do with chronology? The fact of the matter is that, that, that we run from this word. It's a word. Listen, when you, tr when you see a true God covenant friendship, there's a word called accountability attached to it. Let me, let me give you this definition. This is my definition, all right? That, 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 that there's a certain level of accountability. Accountability means that we voluntarily, nobody forces you, but you voluntarily give another person, another person, permission. Not just God, but another person. Permission to do what? To question you, to correct you, to hold you responsible for your conduct. Man, that's, that is a radical thought in our culture today. Is there anybody in your life that you've given permission to to say, hey, listen, man, when, I, when I'm just getting off the deep end, I'm not talking about hyper-tweaking everything you do, but, but, but if they see you taking a U-turn, it's taking you down, and you know the bridge is out? Is there anybody that can tell you, hey, man, the bridge is out? Are y'all with me? The bridge is out down there. I thank God I've got some friends. And by the way, they've stepped into my world. And they've definitely said, the bridge is out, Steve. Time out. You're going too far. Hold on. You need to back this thing up. Jonathan was that friendship to David. Proverbs 27, 17, iron sharpens iron. So a man sharpens the countenance of his friend. So a woman. Is there any women in your life, ladies, that love you enough to tell you the truth, that'll encourage you, that'll bless you, that'll help you, but also that'll, that'll admonish you, that'll say, time out, time out. See, a friend, and I wrote this down about a friend. You may need a friend to help you kick a habit, or you may need a friend to help build a discipline. Is there a friend in your life that can help you to become. See, there's four different types of people in your life. Those that add to your life, those that multiply your life, those that divide your life, and those that subtract your life. Remember, we don't have what we want. We have what we are. We become. We sow what we are into relationships, and we start reaping that. I thank God I lived with the associate pastor, he and his wife, years ago when I became a believer, and I was trying so hard to develop a prayer life, man, and Boy, I was just trying, and because I'd read all these, these, these biographies of great men and women of God, and they would wake up early, you know, so I'm like, okay, I got to wake up early, you know, and I, I read, you know, four o'clock in the morning, you know, so I'd get, you know, on my knees, and I'd just kind of pray and do the whole thing, and I'd put my head there, and I'd wake up at seven. <laughs> Come on, y'all know exactly what I'm talking about. Don't look at me like you're so holy. All of us struggle, but 
man, I tell you, man, I just said, man, I just can't do this thing. But, I, but, 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 but this individual, I had an incredible, listen to me, I, I want to say this again. Good friends not only help you kick a habit, but they also help you to build a discipline. And he told me, he said, Steve, I'm going to wake up every day and I'm going to make sure you get up and I'm going to teach you how to spend time with God. And boy, he'd wake up every day and boy, he encouraged me and he'd let me sleep 30 minutes after him. I will say that. But he turned the lights on and he taught me how to have, he taught, and I want to say this respectfully. I don't say this pridefully. I don't say this arrogantly. You guys know all of my own insecurities, my own character, flesh, whatever. But I'm going to tell you something. I've had a prayer life for 30 years, not because I'm so great. It's because somebody committed to me and they held me accountable and they got in my grill for two years and it's now become part of who I am. Is there anybody in your life, you've got a, listen, you've got a, and I, I love all the physiological coaches and, and, and all the, the workout coaches, but is there any spiritual coaches in your life? Somebody that, listen, that you can, that can hold you accountable. Boy, I could go on and on and on and on and on with this. By the way, anybody that you can fire, listen, anybody that, boy, I can't go down that level. Let me just get back to the Bible. All I'm saying is we need this. Everybody say, I need this. I thank God for Pastor Doug. I thank God for Pastor Ray. I thank God for Pastor Jacob Arenza. Different men in my life. I thank God for Dr. Greg Mew. I thank God. I thank God. I thank God for people in my life. But you got to give them permission. Are you with me? Is there anybody that you've given permission to lovingly hold you accountable if they see the bridge is out? You didn't say it, but I'll say it. That was really good preaching, Pastor Steve. Really good preaching. All right, let me give you this third and final thing, and then I'll close, all right? Encourager. Encourager. Look at 1 Samuel chapter 23. I got two or three minutes. Stay with me. 1 Samuel 23, verse 16. Then Jonathan, Saul's son, arose, and he went to David in the woods, and he strengthened his hand in God. And he said to him, do not fear. For the hand of Saul, my father, shall not find you. And you shall be king over Israel. And I shall be next to you. And even my father, Saul, knows it. I wrote this down. Jonathan encouraged David with his life, not just with his words. Jonathan strengthened David. Every time you and I encounter people, we have a choice. The choice that we make is that we can, we can either hurt them out of our insecurity, we can try to hold them down and hurt them, or we can help them and lift them up. We can see the potential in their life. That's why it's so important to have insecurity driven out of our hearts, because in order to be a great friend, a really great friend, you got to celebrate the successes of those around you. You got to be willing to encourage people. Listen to me, even beyond where you are in life, you've got to be willing to champion them and encourage them to go farther. I'll close with this story. Pastor J Jason Robinson, who pastors Church of the King in, in Katy, Texas, uh, was the youth pastor of this church for 15 years. He's one of the best preachers you've ever heard. And years ago, when I would go out of town, he would preach. He would preach a lot here. And <clears throat> I'll never forget when he would preach, I'd come back and People tell me, oh, Pastor Jason was incredible this weekend. He was, um, you, be you better watch out. Watch out for what? What do you think I'm nervous about? Well, he's just a great preacher. You never know. I mean, just people, what? Do you think that I, if he's been under me for, if I've been his pastor for 15 years, he ought to be a better preacher than me. If not, I failed. 
Are, are y'all with me or not? Those that are around you, the friends, they ought to do, listen, you ought to be, you ought to be their greatest cheerleader. People know if your insecurity is a lid versus a lift. I want those around me to go better. I want them to go further. I want them to do greater. Listen, I praise God that Jason's a better preacher. He's not better looking. Sorry, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Pastor. I know you watch this. I apologize. I'm teasing. Point is, we want those around us to go beyond us. You think I look at my boys? You better not marry somebody better looking than mama. You better not do it. Are you kidding me? I want Pastor Doug. Pastor Doug is a better pastor than me. I want any. Listen, if you have a coveted friendship, you better believe that they can go further. You better believe they can do greater things. That's what it's about. And Jonathan looked at David and he said, David, you shall be the next king of Israel. In other words, watch this. Here it is, last thing. I'm willing to step aside so that you can be great. Is there anybody that you're willing to do that with? If you have that heart, I'm telling you, listen, you'll never lack for friends. Come on, let's stand up. Come on, let's stand up. I'm starting a new series next week called Crazy. And let me tell you the reason why. We live in a stressed out culture. I'm going to talk about biblical principles of how we can live in peace and calm in the chaos around us. You don't want to miss it. I'm going to ask our prayer team to come forward right now. If you need prayer for anything, I'm just going to, I'm going to ask you to bow your heads. I'm going to pray a blessing over you. If you need Christ, if you're not sure about your relationship with Jesus, if you need prayer for anything, we're here for you as a church. After every service, our altar's open. And I want to just pray a blessing. Father, I thank you for the grace of God upon your people. Teach us, teach us, teach us to have a heart like Jonathan, to initiate friendship, to protect and love our friends, to be the greatest encourager to every single person around us that we call friend. Lord, help us to champion those around us. To not be insecure and limit them, but to lift them into the greatness that you've placed upon their lives. And in by doing so, and by doing so, we'll become the person that you've created us to be. Lord, I bless your people. This is an amazing, amazing group of people. May the favor of the blessing of God be upon you in the mighty name of Jesus. And everybody said...